You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I, I would like to call in the spirits to join us here today. So I call out to the ancestors I call it to all of those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful into our lives, into my lives, into your lives, into all of our families. I call out to those who lived well and died well and are the foundation on which we stand. I ask them to be with us here today to come close, to gather round, to help to inspire us in our deeper understanding of what we the living are to do, to help to tend this relationship between the living and the dead. So I ask those ancestral helping spirits who are ready, willing, and able to assist us as true helping spirits in our lives to join us and to be with us on this day. And I call out now to the energy of the earth to be with us here today. Let us reach down from our hearts to our bellies, through our legs and feet into the earth and through the layers of the earth to the very center of the earth. And we call out to the energy of the earth and draw this energy up into our bodies so that we may feel and use the energy of groundedness and connection, place, home and belonging that we may connect deeply into the earth and to receive the wisdom of manifestation. And to use this wisdom to inspire us to reach out into the connection and the interconnection with all things. And may we find in this day moments of knowing our place in the oneness of all things. To remember that we are interconnected and to live in a way that honors and respects that connection with all living things. So we give thanks to the energy of the earth for being with us here today. Thanks for the wonder of life and for the blessing of the simplicity of life itself. And we give thanks to the great beauty that comes with that blessing. And so as we draw the energy of the earth up into our bodies, into our hearts, and all the way up into our minds, let's extend our energy out, infused with the power of the earth, to reach all the way up through all the layers of the sky. The sky above you, the atmosphere out into the cosmos, all the way out through all the heavenly bodies, until you reach what you conceive of as the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you call that power, connect to that power and call it down. Drawing down the energy from above, this great divine energy into yourself, into these proceedings here today, and into the day itself. We call in the energy of protection and the energy of blessing, the energy of generosity and benevolence, the inspiration and innovation that comes from these energies. And we ask that we can be supported by these energies to find in our day those things that require and need our devotion, our excellence. We call out to this energy to be with us in this day, to fill our mind, our heart, and our body, to mix and merge within ourselves with the energy of the earth and come into the balance of the big love. These two great ancestors of all things, the yin and the yang energies, we call out to these energies to merge and balance within us that we might find that place to call out the spirit of the heart, to be open, to be clear, 
to be full and be strong and to become that crucible that allows us to draw up the fiery passions of the belly and down the crystal clarity of the mind into the center and the heart where these two energies merge and dance and mix together in such a way that births a third and that third energy being our soul's true purpose. And may we find in our hearts the courage to live that purpose and to bring those gifts to the world. And so I call out to all of these spirits to be with us here today so that we, the living, might do what we have come here to do with support and with inspiration and with guidance. And so I give thanks to the spirit energies for being with us here today. What needs May what needs to be said be said. What needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I would also like to thank the wonderful heart spirits in the people who have donated to the show. I want to thank Eduardo and Stephen. And those of you who have donated financially to the show in the past week, if this show has been meaningful to you in any way, it has moved you in the heart. And one of the fundamental acts of shamanism is to allow the movement in the heart to motivate us into action in life, to not be motivated by fear, by ego, by worry, by mental things, but to sit with our lives in such a way that we allow ourselves to be moved in the heart and let that motivate our actions in the world. And so I ask you, as someone who is listening to Why Shamanism Now and learning about shamanism, how to apply it practically to your life, to act in this fundamentally shamanic way, to extend your energy out in some way to support the show. One of the simplest ways is simply to donate to the show. Large and small donations are equally um, appreciated. To talk about these ideas, to bring them into your practice, to um, share them with others, to like the Facebook pages, to um, do all of those many social networking things, linking to the site and do all the things that help the show to grow stronger and to be better known. And I ask you just to help me to not get depleted in my efforts to pay the bills and create the show and to bring these out into the world. And so if you would like to support the show, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com, click on the support button and offer any amount of money, large or small. It's all greatly appreciated. And right now it still goes to paying the bills. We have, they won't, um, once the bills are paid, then the money could go to supporting the other aspects of keeping the show on the air. But right now, we'd like in this year to simply meet our goal of actually paying all the bills. <laughs> so um, I give thanks to those of you for the supporting the show in every way that you do. And um, if you don't feel comfortable paying over the Internet, that's perfectly fine. Just email me at christina at lastmesscenter.org, and I would be happy to send you a physical address if you'd like to send your donation here um, to Last Mass Center. So thank you all for joining me here today. The show today is not actually live. Um, This show actually is in honor of the work that I will be doing with Jean-Luc Edwards and Tom Cowan up at the third residential BC shamanic conference and gathering. And this conference is called the Bones of the Ancestors and it's up in Squamish in Canada. And for those of you who don't know, um, are listening from somewhere else in the world, Squamish is an amazingly beautiful um, part of Canada on the very, very western coast of Canada and up about an hour driving time north of around the coast and north of Vancouver. 
Canada, Vancouver, BC, Canada. Um, it's also a bald eagle mating ground, and many, and it's on um, the land of the Squamish people. Uh, the conference, um, I've been at all of the conferences since the beginning, and um, I find myself deeply nourished at this conference in a way I have never been nourished at other conferences. Um, and this is largely because in the shamanic work we do at this conference, we tap the true energies, the deep and essential energies, for example, of the fire and the elements. And in this particular conference, we'll be focusing on the ancestors. We'll be focusing on healing um, our relationship with the dead, uh, healing the dead's relationship with us. And my part in the conference is to guide people through an opportunity to create ancestral helping spirits out of um, ancestors that are otherwise um, gone but still problematic in their lives. And so Tom uh, Cowan, um, Jean-Luc Edwards, and myself are working together to weave through this conference an opportunity for all conference attendees to profoundly shift their relationship with their ancestors. Um, The conference also has many other wonderful teachers offering um, other programs sort of large and uh, long and short in the afternoons. Um, And mostly it's um, a really good time. (laughs) So... Um, with that said, if you do have questions after the show today, please feel free to email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org. I also want to let you know that um, an article about ancestral healing from my perspective was published in this last most recent issue of Shamanic Practice, which is the journal for the Society of Shamanic Practitioners. So if you'd like to see that, you can go to um, shamansociety.org. To their SSP website and um, become a member and you can receive the journal. Um, anyway, I'm going to talk today about healing the ancestral lines um, in honor of the work that, I'll, that I am actually doing um, right now up in Squamish. Um, now, for those of you that feel called by this work, it is an aspect of shamanic healing um, that needs people trained to do because we desperately need we humanity desperately need people beginning to do the shamanic healing work in a thorough way there there are many people right now responding to this need but many of the answers that we're coming up with are not thorough and they're not necessarily getting the whole job done because as contemporary people we don't actually understand the whole job and that's what I want to talk about here today so if you would like to register for Healing the Ancestral Lines training with me you can go to lastmasscenter.org click on the calendar go to June the training is here in Portland um, June 22nd to 24th and you can register through my calendar Um, or um, there's information to register by mail the same place and so it's just a weekend training it's the beginning of the training those who would like to be certified in it can do some um, supervision with me after but it's also an opportunity um, if you if you simply know your ancestral line is a mess and you would like to learn how to do ancestral healing to work on your ancestral lines it's also a perfect opportunity for that the only requirement for this work is you must be a confident and strong journeyer there's a lot that it all happens in the journey and it requires some stamina and some ability to do more than one thing 
in the journey. And that's all. Other than that, you don't have to be a shamanic practitioner to learn to do it. You just need to be a strong journeyer. All right. So with that said, I'm going to talk today about healing the ancestral lines and answer some questions that I received recently about ancestral healing. So when we uh, call out to our ancestors, when humanity calls out to their ancestors, we call out to a diversity of energies. Some people call out to, by name, to the men and the women of their bloodline, all the way back to the first man and the first woman of their people. Others call out, call out to all of their relations, their request reaching out to all of life through all of the interconnections to all living things. While others call out to their ancestors and visualize that request reaching out from humankind, out through nature, and through the cosmology um, until they reach grandfather fire, grandmother water, and the void from which the dream of life unfolds. And though we call out in different ways and mean slightly different things, traditionally, the ancestors is a universally good thing. When I first trained in shamanism, I was told that if you see a skeleton in your journey, it's your ancestor, and that's an ancestral helping spirit. Uh, another um, belief that's part of the shamanic playpen. If you see an ancestor, it's a good. If you see a skeleton, it's a good thing. It's an ancestor. And if all was as it should be, perhaps that would actually be true. But we live in this time and all is not energetically as it should be. So in the past, though, traditionally in, in shamanic cultures, the ancestors is a universally good thing. The ancestors carry the collective wisdom of all who have gone before us and offer to us all that is good and true and beautiful in our legacy. We are the manifestation of their dream of a better future. So they are invested in our gifts in a way that assures that we manifest our gifts so the descendants will have what they need. And so the ancestor, ancestral helping spirits are present with us, the living, so that we do what we have come here to do, so that what the descendants who are coming need is here when they arrive. And unfortunately, I would say that that is not entirely true for probably my generation and those that have come after me. Um, but that is what the ancestral helping spirits want, is to support us, the living, so that we are the link between the dead who've been here and gone and those who are coming. Uh, the ancestral helping spirits often have more patience than our non-human helping spirits for our annoying human issues, like rent money, job frustrations, problematic in-laws, um, things like that that having been human themselves, they are often more practical and direct in dealing with the everyday human life challenges. So it is the job of the ancestral helping spirits to remember and the job of the living to learn, to change, to forgive, and to heal. And, this is, and in this, the ancestral helping spirits are our constant allies. And I have actually spoken to this issue in more depth in some of the past shows um, that involved the uh, past shows about the ancestral healing. 
I've spoken more deeply about this and why it is the job of the ancestors to remember and the job of the living to learn from the past, to let the ancestors remember, to let them be the repository of that wisdom, to share it with us when we need us, but for us otherwise to let go of the past, to learn from it, to forgive, to heal, to change, to grow, and to create something new, to create a resolution to the past. So it is not our job to carry grudges, to continue with um, fighting between these people and those people. It is not our job. We do not honor our ancestors to carry forward their failings, where they fail to find harmony and peace and to bring love into the world. It is our job to learn from them and to do that better. So why... Sorry, so what are we to think then when we diagnose, we as shamanic practitioners diagnose the source of a problem in a shamanic healing session and the answer we get from spirit is the ancestors. If the ancestors are a universally good thing, how can they also be the source of someone's problem? So traditionally, the answers, the ancestors could become a problem if we weren't listening to them. Or worse, if we were asking for their help and not heeding their answers. Another traditional reason the answers could be at, ancestors could be at the root of disharmony is using the wealth of their assistance and not offering gratitude appropriately or adequately in a, some kind of reciprocal exchange with them. But most of the traditional reasons that the ancest, ancestors, sort of quote-unquote, would be the source of the problem is some variation of those two themes. But today, something else is going on. Contemporary practitioners all over the world are uncovering the ancestors at the root of the disharmony and the disease in ways not found in traditional practices. So what's going on? So the important thing for us to understand, when we are calling out to our ancestors, we need to be very clear and distinguish between our ancestral helping spirits and the unresolved energies of our dead relations. That if we just call out to the ancestors, we will get both. So if we just use traditional forms to call out to the ancestors, we will call in both those who are helping spirits and those whose issues are unresolved and who are actually hijacking our life to try to resolve them. And this is very important to understand. We do not live in a traditional time. We live in a time when we have many, many, many ancestral helping spirits and a whole lot of unresolved energy of the dead. And I hope to talk clearly today about why that is. But the most important thing right now is for us to understand that in our time there are two distinctly different groups of ancestors and they are each in a different stages of crossing over. There are ancestral helping spirits which are the ancestors in the traditional sense. They are the spirits of our dead relations who have successfully crossed over to the land of the dead been allowed to enter there and have completed their reunion with the oneness, by whatever name we want to call that. These ancestors, as helping spirits, are then able to be the voice of the oneness, like any other helping spirit, and they return to us to assist the living. 
So some of our ancestors are ancestral helping spirits in this traditional sense. The ancestors who are at the root of our disharmony and disease today are unresolved spirits of our dead relations who are stuck here in the land of the living, therefore ghosts, or somewhere between here and the land of the dead, which we have no accurate name for. But they have not been allowed to enter the land of the dead. And because their lives remain unresolved and unreconciled. And so let's pause here for just a moment and consider, just consider all of your family members who died with their lives unreconciled and unresolved. They still had issues with Aunt Barbara. They still were angry with their father who was long since dead. That there had been incest in your family line that was not resolved and not um, reconciled or resolved or acknowledged or dealt with. That there's history of alcoholism. There's um, illness. There's these things that are handed down through the family line that are not dealt with or resolved. So think of how many people in your family died with their life unreconciled and unresolved. These people are all potentially still stuck here. And these are the people that create this growing mountain of this unresolved energy of the ancestors. And so this is why the ancestors can uh, present as the source of disease in people's lives. That um, I had a student just email email me. She's in the final stages of the um, training that I do. The 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 kind of fifth stage of after the four years, and that she's involved in a process we call dismantling the false self. And she was just emailing me that she was doing some work with another shamanic practitioner who was talking about how the ancestors can get in the way of dismantling the false self. And so the ancestors this practitioner is referring to is this unresolved energy of these ancestors. These ancestors who are not yet reconnected with the oneness because their lives are unresolved. They're still stuck here because they're aspects of their life they're holding on to. One of the main things our ancestors are holding on to is fundamental beliefs, either religious, political, social, some sort of fundamentalism that keeps them from being able to open and surrender to the greater wisdom of the oneness of all things. And so the ancestors who are at the root of much of our disharmony and disease today are these unresolved spirits of our dead relations. And that's why when I start the show, that's why when I start my classes, that's why when I start a day of healing work, I call out to the ancestors, to those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful into my life. Because that's kind of like the code words for those who are reconciled, those who are resolved, those who have made it all the way to the land of the dead, have reconnected with the great oneness and are able to function in my life as true helping spirits. Those are the ancestors. Those are the ancestral helping spirits. And those are what your indigenous shamans are referring to when they're talking about the ancestors. That what we're dealing with here when we're talking about something that is at the root of illness or disharmony is we're talking about the unresolved energy of our dead relations. 
So these unresolved dead relations are no smarter dead than they were alive. They have unfinished business from their lives, but they no longer have access to free will to do anything about that unfinished business because they don't have a body anymore. You do not have free will without a body. So it is folly to work with these um, dead relations as helping spirits, even when they offer their help. And it's folly for two primary reasons. First, because they have not yet made it to the land of the dead and been allowed entry. Because you can't get into the land of the dead just because you're dead. You're allowed entry to the land of the dead because your life is reconciled and resolved. And you are able then to enter the land of the dead and surrender to the oneness. So these dead relations are not the voice of the oneness. And they should not be treated as teachers um, with the same deference they, that we would offer our spirit teachers and helping spirits. The second and perhaps more important issue is that these unresolved ancestors can't be trusted. Because ultimately, unlike your helping spirit, these unresolved energies have their own agenda, which is the reconciliation of their unresolved lives. Um, to be stuck between the worlds is not comfortable for the living or the dead. And the dead eventually realize they have to do something to change the situation. And what they do is they try to get access to free will to change things. And the only free will available is in the living. And that is why the energy of our ancestors begins to move through us, begins to hijack our life and kind of glom onto us and try to... Um, influence our life it, it's not a successful way to resolve their life but they try anyway because they are desperate and they have no other way and so the important thing to understand about meeting those skeletons in the journey who say I'm your ancestor is you need to find out are you an ancestral helping spirit or are you a ghost because if they're ghosts, they are part of this unresolved energy. And if they are part of this unresolved energy, then they have their own agenda, which is the reconciliation of their own unresolved lives. And to resolve their lives, they need to be able to undo the things that they set in motion with their free will while living. So free will is required to undo those things. If it wasn't, the world would be different spirit could swoop in and reset every lifetime and things would be crystal clear and clean but we know that alcoholism is handed down through family lines we know that child abuse is handed down we know that sexism racism dominance all of these things are handed down through family lines we know the sins of the father are visited upon the son and frankly the sins of the mother are visited upon the daughter and vice versa that the, that the unresolved issues of the parents and the grandparents and the great-grandparents ride on the shoulders of the living to try to get resolved. So free will is required for the undoing, and the dead no longer have it. And this is how they become the root of disharmony and disease in the lives of the living, by reaching into our lives to try to access our free will. And it is important to remember that just because someone is dead does not make them an ancestral helping spirit okay so what needs to happen uh, 
So what we know from the shamanic practices and organizations of shamanic cultures is what needs to happen is we need to repair the situation. All the dead need to get to the land of the dead and all the living need to be fully present here in the land of the living. And nothing in between is acceptable. I know that sounds absolute, but that's basically what we need to understand as we approach ancestral healing is that the way needs to be cleared between the living and the dead completely. Now, pre-contact shamanic people, meaning pre-contact with us, with the Western thinking world. So pre-contact shamanic peoples worked with skill and precision and diligence to make sure that the spirits of the dead actually got to the land of the dead. And this is part of the reason um, having specific funeral practices were so important to many different people because this was the way they and their shamans had crafted to make sure that the now sort of freed up spirit of the dead gets all the way to the land of the dead that these pre-contact shamanic people understood that one of the most damaging situations for the living is be surround is to be surrounded by the dead unresolved energies of the dead like their weaknesses their obsessions their misunderstandings of how the world works you know which would be their misinformed beliefs their fundamentalist thinking they they weigh on our weaknesses, our obsessions, our tendency towards fundamental thinking, our misunderstandings of how the world works. And, they, and their energy then uh, gives greater weight to these things. So instead of um, feeling doubt about whether or not I can really manifest this vision I have of a shamanic community, so that's natural for me to doubt that big vision. But it's also natural for me to reach out to spirit, to feel inspired. Maybe I get a message from a student or a message from someone around me where I realize, no, this is a good vision. And I, and I move through that doubt and clear my heart and move more fully into the vision. But now, if I have unresolved ancestral energies that also doubted their big visions, and their big visions were crushed, for example, um, that let's say they came over. I've got Irish, uh, I'm sorry, Scottish ancestry, let's say they came over, they were forced to come over to the new world as indentured servants. Their big visions of what they would do in Scotland were crushed and they got stuck here working on somebody's farm for forever and forced to do things they didn't want to do. So they would deeply doubt the wisdom of carrying a big vision potentially. And so if those ancestors weren't cleared, their doubts could weigh on my doubts and make them more real to me. And thus, the message I got from a student and the um, inspiration from my neighbors or the inspiration from spirit to hold the vision wouldn't be enough to pull me out of my doubt that's been doubled or tripled or quadrupled by the ancestral doubt. And so in this way, their issues then give weight to our issues which is increases our mental unwellness it wears down our immune systems and it dampens our belief in and hope for the future so pre-contact shamanic people understood that the dead are of inestimable value as helping spirits and could not be more problematic 
as the unresolved issues of the dead that pre-contact shamanic people understood how critically important therefore it is to make sure every single dead person gets moved from the land of the living out of here or makes it all the way to the land of the dead that the other thing about shamanic cultures I'm just going to stick this in right here so I don't run out of time today is there is much embedded in the standards of shamanic cultures the standards for living for everyday life that encouraged a person to live in a way that was already reconciled and resolved. In other words, the, the normal standards for, for the life encouraged people to live energetically debt-free, to not be in debt to their neighbors, to not be in debt to their family. And what I mean by in debt is to leaving relationships um, with imbalance, with unresolved issues, with anger, with um, things that need to be resolved. And that, that the cultural way of life of shamanic people was to live in a aini, is to live in constant flow and reciprocity and gratitude with other people, with the environment, with the spirit world, with your ancestors, with all of the different energies. So it's energy is constantly moving and flowing. And when we get into debt, it stops the flow. When we are greedy and we hog too much, we stop the flow. When we don't allow our power to move through us, we stop the flow. There's all these ways that we as contemporary people stop the flow. And we do not live in a way where we are ready to die tomorrow. That's what that means. To live in a way that my accounts are settled, my relationships are clear, that I'm not in debt, that I am resolved, I am reconciled, I, I have accepted the ramifications of the choices I have made in my life, I have accepted the responsibility of choice in my life, and I recognize that no one owes me anything. And that I am here standing in my sovereignty with my will, my free will, with my relationships with spirit. And I am choosing my life. And I choose to live in a way that my life is clear. And then that allows me to die in a good way and to be able to move out of here. So that was also a big piece of pre-contact shamanic cultures was to have standards for life that allowed people when they did die to die in a good way. We live in a good way so that we can die in a good way. And this understanding is uh, missing in contemporary culture, but it's another piece of this puzzle. So pre-contact shamanic people understood the difference between the value, the, the absolutely infinite value of our ancestors as helping spirits and that in their rightful place, they could orchestrate for us from the other side so that all that we need comes to us. And so as they take their place in the land of the dead and they remember, we are freed up to grow, to innovate, forgive, to move on. And as we move on, the ancestral helping spirits help to orchestrate all of the life lessons that we need. Um, and so they're an enormous resource to draw on in life. And so the wealth of their legacy is priceless. But they must be helping spirits and not ghosts to give that. 
So the presence, so conversely, the presence of the dead among the living causes illness, addiction, generational family patterns of abuse. These unresolved energies of the dead form patterns. The patterns often can only be transformed at the source using shamanic techniques. And that, that the ancestral healing is about resolving these patterns of energy at their source in the past, often the very, very long past. Because issue, issues resolved anywhere short of that will still be handed down to the descendants. So in other words, I might clear the issue for the client sitting in my office. But if I don't clear it all the way back to the very, very source, the very first ancestor who started that pattern then the pattern remains unresolved and gets handed down to the next generation. So for us to understand then the ancestral healing, we also need to understand the reality of the soul. And as contemporary people, we think we do. We think we're more enlightened about this than humans ever have been, but we're not. And this is what I've come to understand largely through researching the encyclopedia and through my um, Qigong practices, not at all through shamanism. Um, no, I don't mean that. Okay. So not through my shamanic training. That the ideas I received about the soul through my contemporary shamanic training are useless in terms of truly understanding what is going on. And I know that sounds really harsh, but our contemporary ideas about the soul are not helping us because they are misguided. So what I learned from the research is that most shamanic people believe in what is called in academia the multiple soul theory. And there are many versions of the multiple soul theory, but the essence of it is all that we really need to understand. And the essence of it is this. What we as contemporary people refer to as the soul is actually made up of many components that work together as the soul. And that these components are different components of spirit energies and, and, the, and part of their primary difference is seen in where they go after we die. When the soul no longer has a body to reside in, where do these energies go? And the fact is, these energies go in different places. So, in other words, we, with our religious beliefs, come at this as if we actually know what's going on. And I would suggest that is these very religious beliefs that are the problem in terms of this issue. Understanding the soul and understanding what we, need, we the living, need to do when someone dies. Now, if you go back to pre-contact shamanic people, they're asking the same thing we would ask, which is, hmm... Where does somebody go when they die? And then they're watching to learn. They're asking the question and they're watching to learn. And so most shamanic people have some kind of multiple soul idea. And the multiple soul idea, basically, the, the ones that are most common across all these different ideas about the soul are this, or is this. That what the, the main components cross-culturally of what we consider the soul, which is considered to be one thing, are actually the immortal soul, that which incarnates lifetime after lifetime. The soul of this life, that which is cultivated through the choices made in this life. So it's connected to things like character and um, 
maturity and enlightenment or the lack thereof. And then there is the energy that would be considered the soul of the body. So when someone is in a coma and their body is just chugging along just fine, the spirit of the body is present, animating the body. But the soul of the the life and the spirit, the immortal spirit, is not present. That's kind of what's going on with the coma. So the important thing is then at death, the energy that is in the spirit of the body is meant to go back to nature from whence it came. So we screw this up when we embalm people and stick them in boxes so that they can't go back into the earth. Number two, the immortal soul clears out of here and reincarnates. Now, the immortal soul is almost always free to go at death. However, there are some people that are living lives that are so egregiously, horrifically evil that it even begins to slow or clog up or stagnate the movement of the immortal soul. But I'm not going to talk about that today because I'm talking about what is more general, which is the soul that is connected or cultivated in this life. I've talked about this before on many shows in great depth. So my point today here is just that we have these three different main components. The immortal soul does not come back to us as an ancestral helping spirit. That the energy that comes back to us as an ancestral helping spirit is the soul that is cultivated in the lifetime, which is why we recognize it as great Aunt Mabel, because it's connected to the life. So in, for instance, in my Taoistic training, the way they talk about that to kind of clean that up is that the spirit is essentially what I'm referring to as the immortal soul. And it, for the most part, and with someone who practices a decent amount of energy practices, it will clear out of here at the end of life. And it is the soul that is connected to the heart, to the life of that the person leads, the choices that they make, the ramifications of those choices, the use of the free will. That is the energy that comes to us as an ancestral helping spirit. And that is the energy that we are concerned with clearing out of the land of the living and moving into the land of the dead. That's the energy with the immortal soul, actually, that needs to get reconciled. Okay. So that is also the reason that someone's energy can both be stuck here in between the land of the living and the dead and be a problematic, unresolved ancestral energy and be simultaneously reincarnated somewhere because the immortal soul has gone on but the um, energy the, the soul energy is unresolved and stuck from that lifetime so those two things both work together and then at death they don't work together sometimes sometimes they do sometimes they don't so it's complicated so the other thing about that oh I just lost my train of thought that is important is, well, I don't know, I'll come back around to it. I forgot what that was. So the important thing then to understand when we're doing this healing work is that the ancestral healing that we are responsible for is the bloodline. 
And so for, for most of us, that's four bloodlines. It's our, our mothers and fathers, mothers and fathers. For those of you who are adopted, it means that you have not only the energy of your birth parents, whether you know them or not, and their mothers and fathers, but the degree to which you take on the ancestral issues of the family you're adopted into. So you have an abundance, both of issues and of help. And so for us then, as uh, people that work with helping spirits, we have access in terms of spirit help for the ancestral helping spirits from any lifetime we've ever had. While the issues we're responsible to clear are from our bloodline ancestors, the help that we have to clear it is from any lifetime. So that means I may have had a lifetime incarnated as, um, oh, let's say an African princess. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. Um, so let's say I have a lifetime as an Egyptian slave. Okay, so my um, ancestors, my ancestral helping spirits from that lifetime as an Egyptian are present, can be present here for me as a white American as my ancestral helping spirits in this lifetime. So I have not only my, potentially my bloodline ancestral helping spirits of this life, you know, like I was talking about the Scottish and the Germans and the English, but I also have access to all of the helping spirits, I mean, all the ancestral helping spirits from any lifetime I've ever incarnated. Now, of course, the trickiness, because time is a slippery wicket, is that some of our ancestral helping spirits are also us in a past life. But I'm not even going to get too deeply into that today. But that is also true. That it is true that we do sometimes incarnate in the same bloodline. Not always, but often. And so we can run into ourselves as our own unresolved ancestor. Which means not only do we have ancestral issues but we have past life issues around whatever this is. And this is often the constellation of problems. If you've got your soul parts back and you've done the healing work and this issue still dogs you, it could be that it's that the source of the problem is in is both an ancestral issue and because you're your own ancestor, it's also a past life issue. So anyway, so... Just checking to see here. So I would like to move on uh, to some questions that I received about um, doing ancestral healing work and then kind of see where we can go from there. So I think I've expressed the basics of this issue, which is what needs to happen, um, understanding the soul accurately, And I guess the final thing would be understanding from all of this that I've said is that as contemporary practitioners endeavoring to do shamanic healing of ancestral issues, we must make sure that we're traveling all the way to the source of the issue. And then once that is cleared there, taking the time then to pull that pattern, the pattern that actually ended up being the pattern that was cleared out 
of all the different generations of all of the ancestors who all were influenced by that pattern until we get all the way to the land of the living. At the land of the living, we can't clear the energy because of free will, because there are many living people that are making their own choices and may or may not want our help. All we can do is offer that clearing to the client that is before us. And and then with that, to support that client in looking for those patterns in their own life and discovering how to clear them out of the way they're embedded in their own life. And that anything short of that does one of two things. So these are the two main things I'm seeing in the ancestral healing work that people are doing. Because everybody's trying and everybody's efforts are sincere and heartfelt. But because most of us aren't conceptualizing the problem fully, we're not getting um, a full answer. So one of the problems is the energy gets cleared for the client but it doesn't get cleared all the way to the source. So the problem is just getting handed down then to the next generation. The other issue is the energies get cleared, but the dead aren't being completely taken all the way to the land of the dead, or at least to where they need to take some time to reconcile their life. And so they're sort of pulled forward. There, there's, some, there's some ancestral healing forms where the dead are kind of brought forward for us to understand them more clearly and they're left then somewhere here more in limbo between the living and the dead and that they're not the psychopomp work that needs to be done to take them all the way to the land of the dead or at least to where they begin to clear isn't completed and so they're still hanging around and so once again it's not understanding that this problem isn't created just because this particular client had a screwed up family. The problem is created because the dominant cultures of humanity no longer fully tend their dead at death. And that we have a vast epidemic of dead people hanging around because we, the living, didn't make sure they got to where they needed to go. Now, it's not, this is not a problem for every single dead person. There are many people that live well and die well. They follow their beliefs at the end of their life, and they cross over just fine. But there are many, many people who do not, and those are the people that we're dealing with. So, for example, one of the issues that I find at the root of problems uh, in contemporary people's lives that manifest in many different ways, physically or energetically. Uh, physically meaning an actual physical illness or energetically meaning an inability to do something. Like, I always have great ideas, but I can't get the project going. Or I get the project going and I always trip up once I get going. Or I get the project going and I get going and at the very end I can't manifest that final piece. That's what I mean by patterns, that kind of pattern. So one of the things we find in the ancestral healing is going back to the time when the people either gave up their practices with the land, with the earth. In other words, long ago there were practices that the human beings engaged in to give gratitude and thanks to the earth for all of the abundance that comes from the earth that frankly, literally, keeps us alive. Without the generosity of the earth, to create food for us, we would all be dead. And that there were practices that human beings engaged in to give gratitude to the earth for its abundance. 
and then religions, organized religions came along and people stopped these practices. And this is a place, that generation in which the practices stopped and we forsook, forsaked, forsaked the relationship with the energy of the earth then becomes a problem in the family line and why those people did that. Another version of that is when the people took advantage of some powerful earth energy where it used to be a sacred site that people came and left offerings and asked for prayers and blessings and worked with the energy in the site. Some crazy egomaniacal person comes in and says, I want this energy to myself for my people, like to win a war or something like that, and calls that energy of the earth out. So these are actually often the kinds of source problems we find in the ancestors that lead to physical problems because we're talking about the relationship with earth and our body is an earth element so anyway back to my questions this is way way too much for me to talk about in this show just here today um, since this has become one of the mainstays of my own shamanic practice so anyway a listener who was doing some ancestral healing work with some people, the students from that class had some questions. And one is, if a soul reincarnates, um, then it will potentially be part of a multiple genetic ancestry in physical reality. What is the relationship between the genetic ancestry and the soul's ancestry in spirit reality? Well, for me, that question is really complicated, but I would say it very simply the way I just did, that we have bloodline ancestors and we have ancestral helping spirits from other lifetimes as well in which we did not incarnate in this bloodline. And the beauty of that is that all of those ancestral helping spirits can help us in our efforts to clear the unresolved energy of the dead. In terms of our responsibility in life, we are only responsible to our bloodline issues. So if a pattern is, another question was, if a pattern is held at a soul level, then by performing healing on the soul, are we not only healing direct ancestral lines, but also genetic ancestral lines that the soul has incarnated in or will incarnate in? And by extension, all genetic ancestral lines whose souls have incarnated or will incarnate in. Once again, I think making the issue more complicated than it needs to be. We all come from the same people. We are all one family and that ultimately if we follow the ancestral lines back, it doesn't matter whether it's a spirit ancestry, soul ancestry or bloodline ancestry. We all go back to the same people. Everybody's ancestors are our ancestors and that ultimately this issue is humanity's issue and we all need to be involved in cleaning it up. I mean, the, it doesn't matter. What matters is you follow the line of the problem, the source. You, you go from the problem today to the source in the ancestry and clear it. And yes, in clearing that, we, if we do it correctly, we clear many, many generations and it weaves out in a great web into humanity and that ultimately every act of ancestral healing we do also resolves things for other living people. There's no way around it. We are one family and we all go back to the same people. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about bloodline or spirit line. So, uh, the listener was commenting that the implications of ancestral healing is that the potential beneficial impact of an ancestral healing and the reach of the pattern is far wider than one might suppose. And yes, that's certainly true. 
Now, the final question was that if a soul chooses to experience an incarnation, to experience a life lesson, there is a potential that ancestral healing would inadvertently prevent that experience um, and also deny other souls the opportunity to incarnate in an ancestral line to undertake the same experience. Is this a possible negative consequence of ancestral healing? And I, I would say no, because what we need to understand about ancestral healing is that the very presence of the unresolved issues of the ancestors is already preventing people from moving towards their destiny. That there is nothing right about the dead being here in the land of the living as anything other than an ancestral helping spirit where they would not be preventing anyone's destiny. Anything that they are here to live. Any, any life experience they're here to have. And so ancestral healing is a way of restoring the relationship between the dead and the living and that it isn't a negative consequence of ancestral healing. It's kind of like a backwards understanding about how these things go together. So there's really so much to say about ancestral healing and I'm getting tongue-tied here trying to get it all out. Um, And as I said, there's an article where I spent a whole lot of time thinking it out very clearly in the current issue of Shamanic Practice. If you would like to register for Healing the Ancestral Lines, you can go to lastmaskcenter.org and click on the calendar and register for the class in June, um, the 22nd through the 24th. Space is very limited. There's only 12, and so I suggest that you register now. And um, the other thing is that this is a piece of the fourth year of the training in the cycle of transformation teachings here at Last Mass Center. And I'm pulling it out for the first time as just a training because we simply need more practitioners understanding how to fully do the ancestral healing and not leave things partially done. So this is meant to be both a training for practitioners and an opportunity for you to simply learn to heal your own ancestral lines. So if you can journey well, you can learn to do this practice. And you can use it to clear the energy that blocks you from living your own soul's purpose. So to transform the growing mountain of unresolved ancestral issues is one of the great shamanic challenges of our time. And to stop the rise of that mountain, we must change our funerary practices and our cultural values so that we value living energetically debt-free in a way that our relationships are reconciled day by day. In the meantime, we can begin to heal the ancestral lines so that we are free to make better quality decisions in our own lives and we can create an ever-growing resource of ancestral helping spirits so that we have the rich legacy of our ancestors to guide, support, and protect us. And so this is the prayer that I work with uh, for the ancestors and I'll close with this. I ask that all that is good come to me so that I am supported in my own goodness. I ask that all that is true come to me so that I feel my truth and have the courage to live it. I ask that all that is beautiful come to me, so that I have the power to create beauty in the world. I ask that all that is wise come to me, so that I gain from those who have gone before me. So I give profound thanks to the ancestors for gathering around us here today. I give thanks to the earth and the sky as those even more ancient ancestors, and I give thanks to the heart that lives here with the living and unites us all so thank you all for joining me here this week if you'd like to register you can go to why shamanism no i'm sorry you can go to lastmasscenter.org 
If you'd like to hear the other shows on ancestral healing, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and find them in the archives. Thank you, everyone, and have a great week. <laughs>